Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. Supporters of Bolsonaro continue to plead for the military to take over in Brazil. Elon continues the fight against exploitation of minors by reinstating Scott Ritter, among others. And we'll have the latest on the House's investigation into whatever scandal they saw on Tucker's show last night. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe to the newsletter at didnothingwrongpod.com. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. We've got a great show for you today. Thanks for joining us. Jar Bolsonaro was recently hospitalized in Florida for stomach pain, which he says is related to the stabbing attack which happened to him while he was president. Bolsonaro has promised to return to Brazil soon to receive care from his personal physicians in the country, but there's a bit of lingering doubt about this due to the potential legal jeopardy he's in. Brazil's Supreme Court has already issued an arrest warrant for the ex-Secretary of Public Security of the Federal District, Anderson Torres, who's been on vacation in Orlando, Florida, the same city where Bolsonaro has been for the last couple weeks. What's the next move for Bolsonaro and his supporters? Currently, it appears to be crying Lula the communist and claiming that the people who stormed the National Congress are political prisoners uh, being sent to the gulag. There have been some claims that some of these people are not being given food or water or a bathroom to use and that there have been deaths. I have seen no no evidence of this and it appears to be wild claims that are going around social media as these things do, but they are leaning quite heavily into the idea that they are victims here, that despite all the uh, clear pictures of rioting and vandalism and looting, they are, they are the aggrieved party somehow. For Bolsonaro personally, I don't know because it certainly seems like Anderson Torres is in trouble. And it, it I think you saw something that there might be an extradition request in the near future for him. Right, right. This just came out. This is from uh, Globo, Brazilian newspaper. The Minister of Justice and Public Security, Flavio Dino, said this Friday, the 13th, that he will wait until next Monday for the former Minister of Justice and former Secretary of Public Security for the Federal District, Anderson Torres, to surrender to the federal police. According to him, if that doesn't happen, the government will initiate procedures to ask for Torres's extradition. We will wait until Monday for the presentation of Torres to the PF to take place, declared Dino. So they're serious. They want this guy back in the country to talk to the prosecutors, to talk to the investigation about what he might know. And they're going to request his extradition if they don't get it. And I think there's enough evidence that this extradition request will probably be granted because on top of the what appears to be evidence that Torres had issued some kind of stand down order at the National Congress with the police there. They also found a document at his home after it was searched, which seems to have been a draft for, well, what to do in case of coup. So this is FOLA in a paper in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And this was yesterday. And Google Translate from Portuguese. So if if anything's a little bit off, you'll, you'll have to forgive me. But the title is PF meets at ex-minister's house. So this this FOLA article from yesterday, it's it's got information about a draft for Bolsonaro to change the election result. And it was collected during a search and seizure carried out at the residence of Anderson Torres. And they write that the federal police found at his residence a decree for then-president Jair Bolsonaro to establish a state of defense at the headquarters of the Superior Electoral Court. The objective, according to the text, was to reverse the result of the election in which Lula won. They point out that such a measure would be unconstitutional. The three-page document made on a computer was found in the former minister's closet during a search and seizure carried out last Tuesday. And some of the details here... Sounds real normal. 
The material indicates that it was made after the elections were held and would have the objective of investigating abuse of power, suspicion, and illegal measures adopted by the court before, during, and after the process. Yeah, so it's we're going to justify this coup that we just carried out because we had to for freedom and such, right? But what, what did Torres have to say? He didn't claim it was fake. Apparently, he, he knew he couldn't get away with that one, I guess. So his explanation was beautiful. Torres said that, quote, In the position of Minister of Justice, we are faced with audiences, suggestions, and proposals of the most diverse types. It is up to those who occupy such a position, the discernment, to understand what effectively contributes to Brazil. In my house, there was a pile of documents to be disposed of, where most likely the material described in the article was found. Everything would be taken to be shredded in due course at the MJSP. The aforementioned document was picked up when I wasn't there and leaked out of context, helping to fuel fallacious narratives against me. So in other words, we meant to shred it and you weren't supposed to see that. Uh-huh. But he just he just really he re- really had to go on vacation. It was it was an urgent desperate right. need to to head out on vacation, right? Like he just couldn't wait. And yeah, they're just it's just some game theory here. They're just uh playing out what could happen and what would they they would do. I'm sure there were plenty of other certainly this is just a selective leak and all the information about them having a peaceful transition to Lula, the fake news media just didn't report on that, right? And that's why you want people like us with a high degree of discernment. Because we can discern whether it's the documents related to <laughs> handing over power peacefully to Lula or the documents related to seizing power and locking everybody up who's our opponent. If the left weren't such fascists, they wouldn't have to do this. Clearly, they, they, they're just taking all precautions. These are the, the people who have everything under control. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about it. They meant to shred it. But he really needed to get to Orlando, maybe. Disney World. It's Disney World. Disney World. When you got to go to Mickey Mouse, when you got to see mm-hmm. Disney World, mm-hmm. that's what you got to do. It is Disney World. And apparently Bolsonaro is adjusting to the, to the American food here. He doesn't handle KFC any better than I do. I have the same problem, man. Every time I eat that stuff, I get sick. So years ago, I learned don't eat it. But really, I think that it's good that they're taking it this seriously, that there's no sense of screwing around. They're trying to make sure that they have all of their ducks in a row in terms of the people involved in this and making sure that they can't go anywhere. Because it's pretty clear that the Brazilians are going to make these people face justice on some level. Part of that maybe because the memory of the last military coup is relatively recent and they aren't having this again. Yeah, and I think it's worth talking about the the fact that from a information space and propaganda perspective, it's probably better for the right here if these people do get sent to jail and they they're going to claim it's just this communist crackdown and the gulags and people are dying and and lula wanted to do this all along and seen plenty of the same arguments about january 6 popping up in brazil with those asian provocateurs who did the real damage and and caused all the real problems so these people are going to do what they're going to do they're going to say what they're going to say they don't care if bolsonaro supporters go to jail if it means they can grift more money off of the people who didn't get sent to jail essentially which is it's the playbook. It's what they're going to do. I think at the same time, Lula has to do this. He has to crack down. He has to go after these people. I think there's absolutely enough to get an extradition request granted for Torres. I don't know about Bolsonaro because I don't know what they can actually prove here. And I think part of his whole media tour in Orlando was about... He's just a regular guy. Wants to establish, you know, post-presidency that he just wants to go and live a quiet life and shop at Publix and eat KFC and hang out with Zayaldo and maybe sleep in the minion themed room. Who knows? But he wants to literally have a normal one at this point. But (laughs) the question is, did he do something wrong enough in Brazil that that's not tenable anymore and that they're going to have to come get him so he can come talk to the Brazilian, the Brazilian authorities about this? Well, and he might go back of his own volition and it might be, to go see his doctors, or it might be because he believes it's more 
advantageous for him. I don't want to say the time for a right-wing coup has passed because it hasn't passed, but it, as more time passes as, as this, they really right. start to crack down and go after the leading figures. I know it gets harder. And I think there's going to be a lot more eyes on what these people are saying on social media, on Telegram, on TikTok, on WhatsApp, which have, have been the main vehicles for them. There's going to be a lot more interest. The law enforcement is going to be trying to make their way into these conversations and understand what people are doing and, and predict it and prepare. So it, it's going, it's not that it's impossible. It's just the more time goes on, the harder it gets. And the military has not really shown an interest in following through with this, this right wing coup. And maybe that's why Torres wrote his draft, but then nothing happened. Or maybe for whatever reason, they went a different way, but Bolsonaro can run for president again, and he's probably going to. So if it appears to be more advantageous for him to stay in Florida, then he'll stay in Florida. And if it's better for him to go to Brazil, even if it means Mm -hmm. he might be jailed, well, Lula went to jail and they still elected him president. So it's, it's not a guarantee of anything really. It's, and I think they're kind of, everybody just kind of assumes that when you go to jail down there, that it's because your political enemies had you locked up. They don't, take it quite as seriously. I mean, Lula's supporters always said he was railroaded. I'm sure if Bolsonaro's supporters will say the exact same thing, if he ends up going to jail as a result of any of what happened, he did nothing wrong as it were. So it's not the kind of disqualifier down there that it used to be up here. It used to be. Yeah. Cause we're, we're, we're losing that veneer too, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I just, I don't know if you saw it, but there was a video of of January 8th and the insurrection riot at National Congress. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You had these supporters of of Bolsonaro cheering the arrival of the military, thinking they're there to to help them. And, oh, we're going to pull off this coup. And they they finally come to save us. We've been begging them for months. We've been camped out at their barracks. And finally, they're here. And and then they arrest all of the the rioters. All the rhetoric meets reality. And I think, well, it, it's similar to January 6th because January 6th was kind of this haphazard, let's go into Congress and see what happens. And there were there, people there who definitely thought they were part of an insurrection and wanted to overturn the results and keep Trump in power. But if they really wanted it to succeed, it was a pretty limp effort. And I think what happened in Brazil is is worse. It's bigger. People are saying it's an escalation, and I agree with that. But it's it's also, they didn't go all in here. And for whatever reason, they didn't go all in. And maybe they were waiting for the right conditions. Maybe they were waiting to see if the military would go in and support them. But it's kind of like they sent out their their scouts to say, let's see if this will happen. And if the, if the winds were favorable, if it looked like they had uh, the conditions they needed, then maybe Bolsonaro would have gotten on a plane and, and come right down to quote unquote, save the day. But that just didn't happen. No, no, it was a massive shit test from the looks of it. Yeah. They need to absolutely crack down on the people who were involved because it's clear they made plans. They, they kind of knew, I'm sure if, <laughs> they they wrote this up the Torres draft like they thought through plenty of these scenarios they were they were waiting to see what happened and now Bolsonaro it's going to be tough to convict him and even if they convict him it's not necessarily going to change a lot so the story's not over well since we're on the subject of people who don't seem to want to see democracy succeed Elon Musk's dog whistling for QAnon hit a snag this week with Twitter 2.0's decision to reinstate convicted pedophile Scott Ritter on the platform. Ritter's accounts were subsequently banned a few days later, but we wouldn't be shocked to see them back once again in the near future. Ritter has become a prominent pro-Kremlin propagandist over the past few years with his cheerleading particularly focused on lying about the war in Ukraine. Is Ritter the worst person that's been reinstated recently or just the most obviously hypocritical on Musk's part? Ooh, I think I think definitely most obviously hypocritical because the guy's been convicted uh, pedophilia twice. Is that? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Over twice. Over, uh, 
pretty big gap and span and pretty disgusting details that uh yeah if you google scott ritter pedophilia you will find any of the supporting documentation for what we're saying here there is definitely a lot of really awful stuff about this guy and just in case our audience doesn't know who scott ritter is and why anyone would care in the 2000s scott ritter was a united nations weapons inspector who claimed that the U.S. was lying about finding weapons of mass destruction in Baghdad. And he really went hard on that at the time, later turned that into a career pushing one Kremlin narrative after another. He also claims that all the pedophilia stuff is not true, that the CIA set him up, et cetera, et cetera. But that's why you did it twice? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Scott Ritter has been a tool of the Kremlin narrative for quite some time now. And according to Elon's policy of, well, unless you've been convicted of something, we'll bring you back. Well, he brought Scott Ritter back and maybe they realized what happened because they suspended him right off the bat right away, but he'll probably end up showing up again. Yeah. Maybe he'll get a a new account. I know he's got at least two that got reinstated and then banned. And I, I don't know. I don't understand what's happening. I've seen, People like Jackson Hinkle have gotten banned also, and he's he's a big Putin fan. MAGA communist guy. MAGA com- Ma- yeah, MAGA communism. But he's back, and then he got banned again, and then he's back. I, I don't know. I think some of it is intentional. Some of it is a glitch. Uh, who are they reinstating? What is this whole it's a legal thing? I know we talked about it at the time. It's like, well, illegal where? And yeah. what law? Does it have to directly be related to Twitter or does it have to be or something they did online or is it just they committed a crime because it they committed a crime does not seem to be the bar. <laughs> he got busted for jaywalking. What's that? <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. But Ritter is kind of ridiculous when Elon is claiming that he's out here saving the children and in so many words, saving the children mm-hmm. and all these all these efforts that Twitter is is supposedly taking to protect children and he's protecting them by hiring Scott Ritter to come in and babysit, which just doesn't really <laughs> seem like a great idea. So so the the pedophilia stuff with Scott Ritter is is bad it's proven convicted twice but he really is one of these he's just a bottom feeder uh, but the Kremlin is more than happy to take any bottom feeder who will say the right things and they will pay them money to continue to say those right things because well he is an American and he can be put on all these channels and some of the stuff that he's he said is it's just on the crazy end of crazy. This is stop fake in March of 2022. So a couple weeks after the full scale invasion and Ritter it's the headline is fake. The Russian military took Mariupol in less than an hour. Ukrainian army, completely incompetent. We know that didn't happen. It took them. God, it took them months to take Mariupol. He's still talking about all the Russian gains. Russia has been losing ground over and over again. And uh, he still claims that, Russia's winning the war Mm -hmm. because they pay him to say this because they don't mind to pay pedophiles to say things. No, he's one of their pedophiles, see? (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, on June 4th, he actually gave a speech at the Ron Paul Institute at their conference that day. Oh, does Ron Paul still have that that, uh, show on RT? Is that still going? That's a great question. That's a great question. It was until recently. Uh-huh. I don't, uh, he's been doing that for years. So yeah. And, and, oh, Ritter's talked about the Ukrainian Nazis and the countries controlled by the Nazis. And, oh, I mean, some of this, it's just all the, it's all Seriously. the points. It's all What's the, the Kremlin points. saying this week? That's what Ritter's saying. Yeah. They've had him on RT. They'd had him on uh, channel one. There's so many screenshots and, oh. I'm seeing all these faces of these these guys he's interviewed with, and I I, I don't want to. Oh, I, oh, did you see that Kim.com welcomed him back? I did. That was amazing because Kim.com, you know, is all about protecting the kids, too. Well, and, and Elon's been doing Twitter spaces with Kim.com. And then Kim.com, welcome back, Scott Ritter. So <laughs> maybe he will be back. He's got the owner of Twitter's ear. These These are the people he's talking to. I think Elon's defense on this one is probably, well, there were never actually real kids involved. It was all police detectives both times. (laughs) 
Yeah. They're going to have to come up with some yeah. kind of reach it, like that because seriously, the guy is scum. The guy is absolute scumbag yeah. and he ends up somehow carrying water for these people and they're prepared to look the other way because he's carrying their water. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, and, and as, as bad as Ritter is, I'm, I'm still not sure he's the worst one because you, you go through the list of recent reinstatements and this is only like right. the past week or so. We've got Stephen Christopher Yaxley Lennon. Stephen Christopher Yaxley oh, Lennon. I, You've never heard of that guy, have you? Who's that? Fa- Lennon? No, is no, he, he spells it like the, the Beatles Lennon, like, oh. like John Lennon. Like imagine, <laughs> imagine all the, oh. the Muslims being deported today, AAA or whatever it is. Um, Stephen Christopher Yaxley Lennon, better known as Tommy Robinson, the English Defense League founder, the oh. absolute fascist. fascist. Wait. 2010 <laughs> started a protest group called the English Defense League, which ostensibly was about the amount of immigrants that were coming into the country every year. And he lined up people from all the various English groups like the National Front, the outright outright racists over there. And his thing in the last few years has been, quote unquote, grooming gangs, helping to shut down grooming gangs. And he's so concerned about this that he actually did he got a nine-month sentence that he served about two months of for disrupting a trial of a couple of people who were on trial for supporting a grooming gang. Uh, how, do, how does that work? How, wait, he, he's against the groomers, but he's for the groomers? Ask Mike Cervic. Mm-hmm. Who, who is a fan? Who is it? Mike and they love Alex this guy. Jones. Uh, Tommy's been on... Yeah, Tommy's been on InfoWars, Pasobic loves him, Cassandra Fairbanks, they're, it's all Julian Assange and WikiLeaks crowd. They're all they're all for this guy. And he is like when you when you talk about, well, are they a fascist or not a fascist? Yeah, the the English Defense League, the British Freedom Party, the British uh National Party, he's he's been a part of all of these and they're very clearly uh, fascist and uh he's he's a He's a bad guy. He's a violent guy. He's a very angry man uh, who I don't think should get mm-hmm. the audience that he has on Twitter. But it, here we are. Elon has decided that his content is worth serving up to the masses. So here we are. Well, in July of 2021, he was uh, ordered to pay 100,000 pounds in legal costs for libeling a 15-year-old refugee <laughs> who was... Uh, I, I know you'll be shocked. It, the the refugee was Muslim. No way. Yeah, I remember that. And and why why should this guy get a bigger audience? He's still going to have an audience. He's still he's still going to be talked about and and mentioned. But like, do we need to make it easier? And that's what we're getting. We're getting like yesterday there was there was Roger Stone and Mike Flynn <laughs> in a Twitter space together, and Roger Stone had this big introduction to Mike Flynn and talking about like he's maybe the only person who's been targeted and harassed and victimized more than me, which was I know it's mm-hmm. hard to believe. I'm I'm paraphrasing, but it is this this big introduction of oh the the conquering hero Mike Flynn who stands despite all the deep state tyranny and yada yada. And and now he gets to go on Twitter spaces for the first time and he's in there just talking away about his background and oh all of his experience and he sounds like a reasonable rational fellow who why wouldn't people listen to him he's he spent 30 years in the military he's a he has former all these... general for god's sakes yeah he was the national security advisor and honestly there's nothing that i can from from my knowledge of his career and his cv and all that there's nothing i can pick out that I can say, well, he's lying. Maybe he's embellishing some things, but he, for the most part, did the things that that he is talking about here. And he already had an audience. He's going to keep having an audience. But how much bigger is it about to get? And that's what we see with Roger Stone, with Mike Flynn, with Ali Alexander, who one day, January 7th, he's, he's talking about the stolen election in Brazil. And January 8th, he's cheering on the insurrection in Brazil. And then January 9th, Mm -hmm. he's back on Twitter. And it's really interesting that all of these guys kind of played it off like they didn't especially care in a lot of cases when they got banned in the first place. It was like, we're going to go start rival social media platforms. We're going to go do our own thing. But Uh in reality, it was clear that they were chomping at the bit for this. They don't have the audience. They don't have the reach. They don't have that 
in into the conversation that they have when they're on Twitter. They can get themselves into the national conversation, the international conversation in some of these cases. And that's just not something you can do on Gitter or Parler or Truth Social because no one cares outside of those spaces. The only person that anybody really cares what they say on Truth Social is Trump. Beyond that, no. Nobody cares what Ali Alexander's saying over there. Ali Alexander has to be on Twitter for anyone to pay any attention to anything he says. No one cares otherwise. They all know this. So Elon being the owner and letting these guys back on has been just an absolute godsend for the most awful side of MAGA propaganda. It's been terrible for us, terrible for those of us who believe in, I don't know, germ theory and vaccination and democratic institutions, but for a certain subset of the population, which isn't terribly concerned about those things, this is the golden age. Well, it it absolutely is. And yeah, they'd love to play it off, but my God, they're so glad they're back on Twitter. And they are thanking Elon Musk at every every opportunity they get, every time. That first tweet is every time. It's thank you, Elon Musk. And they get on the Twitter space and every time, thank you, Elon Musk. They're they're going after you. They're trying to eat their own because you've gone against the deep state, big pharma, world economic forum, hidden hand of whatever is now you're against them because you promote free speech and they're all the real fascists. I love we we get an education on the who the real fascists are all the time. But mm-hmm. absolutely, we do. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's bring back an actual fascist in Tommy Robinson. Let's bring back an actual pedophile in Scott Ritter. Let's bring back white nationalist author and philosopher Stefan Molyneux, who also came back this week. Who's a just essentially runs a website that turned into a cult. He's he's a dangerous guy. He's he's appeared on Infowars and RT and the places you'd expect, but he's mm-hmm. he drags people into a dark world of misogyny and it's not good and at some point he decided that it was beneficial to him and his grift to shift to a a far right ethno nationalist way of thinking yeah he's the gateway drug for a lot of people into a lot of the darker aspect of what we would call the alt right for lack of a better umbrella term but Molyneux is where we start getting into eugenics. Molyneux is where we start getting into scientific racism. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center, the guy has scientific racism, social Darwinism, non-white racial inferiority. He's just all kinds of fun. He, The whole breeding arena of the species needs to be cleaned the fuck up. Podcast. Conformity in the Cult of Friendship, that was in 2014. Screaming racism at people because blacks are collectively less intelligent is insane. That's one of his videos called The Death of Europe on the European Migrant Crisis in 2015. You get the idea. This is, I'm not going to go ahead and quote chapter and verse on this guy because he's got. And if you look at his podcast too, just just his guests and the people that he has on, it is a who's who of conspiracy theorists, white nationalists, all these things. And now. He's going to get a, a bigger audience with Twitter. I'm sure he'll be on, he'll probably be on Twitter spaces tonight. So you can tune in for that. Maybe he'll let you ask him questions. Oh God. Just don't, don't uh, ask him anything about Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember uh, that? Yes. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. That really, that was. <laughs> Stefan Molyneux had one of the worst tweets of all time. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. Oh, it's it's so creepy and gross. Well, it's gross, and it's it's even worse when you, he the guy's like fifty four. Yes, he's he's not a young man. He's not, but he had this tweet. Uh, let's see. So it was a few. It was a few years ago. He was probably fifty one at the time. So here's Molyneux. I can't believe Taylor Swift is about to turn thirty. She still looks so young. It's strange to think that 90% of her eggs are already gone, 97% by the time she turns 40. So I hope she thinks about having kids before it's too late. She'd be a fun mom. Ew. Ah. (laughs) That's really creepy. It's, It's so weird, but that's the guy's brand. It's creepy as fuck and, like, definitely something a cult leader would say. And... 
why is he talking about Taylor Swift's eggs? It's yeah. I, I need a shower yeah. after that. I've read that tweet uh, several times, and I still need a shower. It's uh. I mean, he he got, but he gets he got dunked on for that, and he's one of those guys that gets dunked on, and he doesn't care because it drives some more traffic to him and his site and his bullshit, and. If 1% of that traffic ends up reading his his articles and listening to him, then that's a win for him. Yes, because for them, it's it's not about getting dunked on. It's about the 1% of people who are going to hear that and say, yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth, man. That's, that's absolutely what's going on here. Yeah, because also the people who like him and, and are going to listen to what he's saying would like to impregnate Taylor Swift. So Andrew Anglin has called her an Aryan goddess at one point. Ugh. Yeah, but it's 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 weird, but it it's a brand and it's um it's he's back on Twitter. Welcome, welcome back, welcome back I guess. Up? Uh so we've we also look at this and some of these people that have that have recently come back. We've got Sherry Tenpenny, a leading anti-vaccine Ooh. activist, Dr. Stella Emanuel, a I don't know her controversial physician and pastor oh she was the one that had the um evil spirits that trump's doctor that he promoted of course stella emmanuel um she had said that hydroxychloroquine was the way to go to fix your case of covid she is a doctor and pastor she according to the daily beast believes in alien dna um, demon sperm. Oh, she okay. believes. Right, right. Demon sperm. Um, Great. Mm-hmm. She has claimed that gynecological problems are like cysts and endometriosis are in fact caused by people having sex in their dreams with demons and witches. She also alleges that alien DNA. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> What is what is she a doctor in? Did she get a degree in conspiracy theories from uh, Trump <laughs> University? Where, what is this? That's a great question. She also says that um, she alleges that alien DNA is currently used in medical treatments and that scientists Everyone are cooking up that. a vaccine to prevent people from being religious. And again, according to the Daily Beast, despite... Despite appearing in Washington, D.C. to lobby Congress on Monday, she has said that the government is run in part not by humans, but by reptilians. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord. And when they when they say reptiles, they mean Jews. They do. Uh, They They they, do. They just they they say reptiles, but they mean Jews. And that's that's not. Oh, that's a whole other thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's very anti-Semitic. And, and when they say globalists, they're the ones that mean Jew every time. Mm-hmm. So yes, uh, yes, yes. Part of that branding or, or, or misdirection is so they don't get banned from social media but uh, or demonetized. But uh, on Twitter, that's... You can say it now. On Twitter, apparently, they, they can just say Jew. Now. You can say it. I, it's just, fine. Yeah. No one cares. Go ahead. No one seems to care here. Yeah. If they care, they left or... They got fired or I don't oh my know how many people. God, she was, according to her Wikipedia article, Emmanuel uh. comp- completed a pediatric residency at the Bronx Lebanon Hospital in New York City. So she was a pediatrician. Great. 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 Doing it for the kids, Great. Elon. Thank you for looking out for the kids. You, you've, you've really taken care of those kids, Elon. The kids. Yeah, he's saving them not paying rent on his building and firing everyone, everyone who was involved in the, is there anybody left on the child safety board or no, the board's gone. The child safety board is gone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's, maybe there's someone that's supposedly looking after this content, but what what are they doing? If you're letting these people, what are the, (laughs) if they have, if they have anyone that's a content moderator left at Twitter, what, what the content moderators are evidently just all gone. They claim that they've figured out how to do it algorithmically, but come on, look at the difference in what's on totally. there now versus what's on there, you know, three to four months ago. It's not even close. It's awful. But Elon's got a graph to tell you it's actually better mm-hmm. now. Yeah, we fired 80% of our workforce, but no, we figured out how a better mm-hmm. way to do it, which uh huh. it's really nice when you have all the data you can personally m- manipulate to say whatever you want to say or even dishonestly report what is actually happening. 
Oh, look, a new episode of the Twitter files just dropped. Does does anyone care? I, I, I'm sure that the views for that stuff have gone mm-hmm. way down. Everybody cared for the first, I don't know, five minutes of Matt Taibbi's epic thread at the beginning. And Matt really just shit the bed on that. There's no other way to put it. You got to say, though, I'm uh, Matt Taibbi on a personal level. I saw that he got his first Tucker appearance. Oh, with the new year. Yeah, he finally got on there. Worked out so, for him, then. Yeah, c- congratulations, buddy. I'm sure you got some more subscribers with <laughs> your hard-hitting journalism. Uh-huh. You oh, know. I, could you... I, I don't know how you could sell out any harder than Matt Taibbi has done. I mean, bravo. It's a new level. Yes. And Slow clap. Slow clap. Mr. Right here. Yes. Good, good job, my work. friend. So proud of you. You are the pinnacle yeah. of journalism at this point and the pinnacle of hypocrisy, my friend. Yep. And speaking of rank hypocrisy, House Republicans recently took to Twitter and their friendly airwaves to tell the public that they did it and that they repealed funding for 87,000 new IRS agents. Take that, Brandon. But despite all their rage, this did not happen. And it didn't happen because Republicans only control one chamber of Congress. They don't control the Senate. So this defund the IRS bill is dead on arrival at Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's desk. This is the conundrum for Republicans in the House. Even if they wanted to govern, and we're not convinced that they actually do, the policies and bills that they can pass will often be too extreme to even get a look in the Senate. Instead, they're just going to investigate people. They're going to investigate their enemies. So what do we have to look forward to on that front? Oh, just a cornucopia of <laughs> villainy and slime. And uh, it's probably going to be headed here by by Jim Jordan. They're calling it the weaponization of government, which is going to be a subcommittee of the judiciary led by Jim Jordan. So it's it's the Church Committee 2.0. It's the main attraction, it appears. Uh, there, there are several more, and I'll, I'll go through the list. But just to be clear with this, this Church Committee 2.0, and I know we've, we've talked about it, and they're uh, going to the the <laughs> the New York. I'm looking at this with the New York Times. This is uh, Luke Broadwater with the New York Times, and he's he's put up uh, what looks like a roadmap of the investigations going forward, and. He he mentions the name and and who's involved, and then he's got a a bolded subheading of substantive <laughs> policy questions, and he he writes this remains to be seen. Uh, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's a that's a very good way to put it. The text of the resolution establishing the subcommittee gives the panel essentially open-ended jurisdiction to scrutinize any issue related to civil liberties or to examine how any agency of the federal government has collected, analyzed, and used information about Americans, including, quote-unquote, ongoing criminal investigations. So they're also looking at obtaining classified information, I know part of it is going to be any ongoing investigations that that they don't like or especially ones that are related to January 6th or Donald Trump or or themselves because some of the the people that are going to be on this committee uh, including Jordan himself played some still not entirely clear role in January 6th and and the fake electors and the possible overturning of the election uh so they want to know what anyone knows about them and and there's going to be plenty of pushback but this is going Mm -hmm. to be an absolute shit show and if they have their way people will never actually find out what they actually had to do with any of this stuff i mean great just just let let the guys that may or may not have done this and again we don't know yet because they've stalled every attempt by the january 6th committee to investigate their specific roles into it down to defying subpoenas and generally trying not to comply or cooperate at all with the investigation. And now they've got their own committee to go through and you didn't see this. You didn't see any of this. None of this happened. We're all blameless. It was Antifa. Well, and and you're right. They're going to throw enough 
shit at the wall that it's that it's that Kremlin idea of it. They're not trying to convince you that their version is true. They're just trying to make the truth impossible to decipher. They're not going to disprove the fact that they played some kind of role in all this. They're just going to make it complicated and confusing enough and have enough doubt in in the details, in the process, in who really did what and how did they really do it, that most people are going to say, you know what, I right. never mind. I'm going to go back to my cat videos and I don't care. And and not that I blame anyone. It's the whole point is just to flood the zone and make it so that you think you can't know. And, and then and if you don't want to, especially it's an excuse to say, well, that maybe that didn't even really happen. Or, well, the, the fake news media, they just lie or the, the deep state uh, framed him, yada, yada. And it's very much anti-democratic and terrible and, and bad for the country. But, well, that that, that hadn't stopped him yet. I did want to point out too, just the the hollowness of this church committee 2.0. I think has been pretty roundly. Um, I was going to say it's it's pretty clear that part of the reason the original church committee was reasonably successful in the beginning was because it was bipartisan, and they had bipartisan support from both solid members of the Democratic and the Republican Senate to investigate wherever the facts led. And it doesn't seem like that's what we've got here, correct? Yeah, it it does not at all. And you have some uh, staffers of members of the original church committee who have come out and this is, let's see, this was in Bulwark and it is, uh, (laughs) the title is Jim Jordan Church Committee Pretender. (laughs) And... (laughs) Yeah. Um this yeah, the the staffers are were Locke uh, K Johnson and Frederick Barron and they um mentioned that they served in key positions on the in staff positions on the church committee and they said the the comparison between now and then is preposterous. The new house subcommittee is not remotely up to the church committee standard in origin, composition, or purpose. They say to begin with, the church committee bore serious moral authority, which arose from its truly bipartisan mission, as you mentioned, a tough-minded rethinking of intelligence agency activities under administrations of both parties stretching back almost 20 years. So it was, yeah, 20 years, Republican and Democrat, in the White House, various things went wrong. Let's look into all of it. And they go on to write about, they provide an example here where they say, concerned about the church committee's probe into FBI activities against Martin Luther King Jr., uh, one of the members of the committee, uh, Howard Baker of Tennessee, sought even-handedness without obstruction. He said, let's have a balance, not just focus on King, perhaps a, sh- a session on FBI infiltration of the KKK too. Okay. Which, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that, that we're, we're not going to get that. We're not going to get, how about a, a session on Trump's stolen election lies? You think Jim Jordan's going to come forward with that? Mm, no, no, not exactly. my breath. And that that is that is a very good example because that that's not what they're doing. This is one one party going after the other, and it's it's going to be focused on Trump's four years in office and every grievance that they have. I, I, some of it will go back in 2015 and 2016 with the with Trump's campaign, but mostly it's going to be his presidency, and it's going to be what the Democrats and the deep state and the fake news media, which they have kind of congealed into a single blob, did to undermine their favorite president. Right. It was a very good article, definitely worth reading. And I was looking too, and thankfully, one one member, uh, one senator who was a member of the church committee is alive, which I, I honestly wasn't sure because it was uh, 1975. But Gary Hart is... Uh, yeah, he's still around. He's 86. And uh, he we've got a new piece that came out just recently. And it's uh, from David Roddy at uh, The New Yorker. And it's titled The Investigations of Joe Biden Begin. But it had a couple good quotes from Hart. The article says, um, Hart agrees that the intelligence agencies need aggressive oversight. But he said that Trump and far right Republicans are spreading conspiracy theories for political gain. Asked if he believed in the existence of a secret, quote, deep state in which the FBI and the CIA undermined the president and men- members of Congress, Hart replied, no, no. 
He said, this deep state conspiracy business is just woven out of whole cloth. Adding, it gives conservatives free reign to do anything they want to because they're under siege from a deep state that doesn't exist. Trump's claims of victimization, Hart said, are a ruse. And the former president's attempts to subvert American democracy continue. It's not over, he said. There, there are some other good quotes in there and explanations, but it's pretty clear that anybody that was in any way associated with the church committee is laughing at this preposterous comparison because it's just not the same thing. It's the branding. And that's what it is about with a lot of these people. It's what it is about with Steve Bannon. They want something that'll catch on Yeah. when they repeat it over and over on their shows, when they repeat it on it over and over, whenever they go on CNN, they want that branding. They want to be able to throw something at people that maybe they've heard before. Maybe they remember from a long time ago. They want to trade on that legitimacy that the church committee had. And they then want to see if they can transfer some of that over to their own partisan little witch hunt that they're about to run yeah you're absolutely right and that's why they are calling it that instead of the weaponization of government because there were some valid arguments and and bipartisan support for church committee so let's just smear the history of of bipartisanship and collectively trying to get the bottom of of issues and working towards the truth because the truth is whatever we say it is right and then once we have the truth then we can have a conversation about the truth i mean he's right the fbi did investigate aggressively and use COINTELPRO pro on the ku klux klan now is that a bad thing right I personally don't think so, but no. if you're going to have that conversation, let's at least have it based on the facts. And I don't think that's what these people are interested in at all. Well, they're, they're interested in making them up as they go. Yeah, the narrative uh, requires reappraisal of what are and are not facts and what did and did not occur. So let's keep going here. We've got so we've got Church Committee 2.0, Jim Jordan. That's going to be terrible. Then we've got another. The next on the list is the Biden family businesses. I, I don't Ooh, know if... fun, fun, yeah, fun. Yeah, that's going to be... That's going to be the Hunter Biden laptop show. Yeah, some, there's going to be some streams crossing here. But you're right. <laughs> this is... This is uh, if you're if you're picturing Hunter Biden's uh, dick pics. I'm well, sorry to put that, but it, it <laughs> James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, is going to be heading the Hunter Biden dick pic investigation, <laughs> and it's not because he's desperate to look at Hunter Biden's dick pics. It is because very real reasons. And he wants you to look at Hunter Biden's dick pics. They all have copies. Yeah, Hunter Biden, kind of a sleazebag. Look, the drug thing hey, that was really bad and he shouldn't have taken all these pictures. And like, if if you know somebody who's an addict and I've known people who are addicts, mm-hmm. like, get them help, do everything you can for them. They, they're, they're still people and they need help and support. And sometimes, look, Hunter Biden's dealt with a lot of bad shit in his life and he went down a path and it, it is very sad and I'm, I'm glad he got clean, hope he stays clean. But... All of this quote unquote lobbying that he did, all this money that he got, it, it's influence peddling. It's people who wanted to seat at the table. And it's, it's the worst of Washington and what plenty have referred to as the swamp. It's, it's not, it's not great. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't want to sit here and try to defend these things that Hunter Biden has done. But yeah, let's. If we want to look into family businesses, let's look at the Trump organization. Right. Let's look at the people they did deals with overseas, the hotels that they built with the dirtiest mob blood money around. And of course, they don't want to have that conversation. But Well, the CEO just went to jail and they just got fined, what was it, $1.5 million by the state of New York. So, I mean... Yeah, there are there are definitely some corrupt family businesses out here, and I absolutely support looking into all of them, including the Trump Organization. And thankfully, the people in New York did. I don't think anything Hunter Biden even conceived of doing rose to the level of what the Trump Organization has done over the years. Yeah, it's really I mean, go ahead, investigate the guy. That's fine. And they are. And they are like the the Justice Department has active investigations Mm -hmm. on him. And when people are in the midst of drug addiction, sometimes they do things that aren't great. And in Hunter's case, it seems like he did some stuff that wasn't great. What he actually did, well, who can say? Because the chain of custody for the laptop has been so thoroughly polluted that there's no way 
to know what's on that hard drive, what was on that hard drive, if Hunter's even the guy that brought that hard drive in to, in the first place. Again, we've covered this. And we think it, it is the most likely scenario. Probably that is what happened, but we'll never get any more sure than that. No, we won't. We won't. The laptop was received from a legally blind man who is fully capable of doing his job and seeing up very close and repairing computers, but he cannot see a person who is a few feet away from him. So this is the most certainty we're ever going to be could able have to have. Me, it could have been me. It could have been you. It could have been Mike Cernovic that walked that laptop in and handed it to him and signed Hunter Biden on the piece of paper. And it was probably Hunter Biden. But, but we don't know that. We don't. And... There are now so many hard drives, as we have Mm -hmm. talked about and covered, that there is a very limited amount of data and information that has been completely 100% verified. And there's a lot more that may or may not be real, may or may not be from a laptop that Hunter Biden once owned. And some of it is, is just forgeries and fabrications and things added on later and everything in between. And all of this is going to be brought up as if it is the Indeed. word of the Indeed. Lord, essentially. <laughs> and it Asha Rangappa wrote a great piece on this this week, breaking down what's real, what's not, what are the various claims that are being made about the laptop, what are the various claims that are true, what we can prove, what we can't. Um, we'll link it. I highly recommend that you read it. Yeah, it's very good. It's very thorough. And I uh, feel for her and the probably day, several day long headache that she had after <laughs> compiling all this and uh, trying to make sense of it because it's, it's, she goes through the claims and the evidence of the claims and what the Twitter files are claiming about the claims and the reasoning that links the evidence to the claim. I mean, it, it is thorough. It is up to date. It is very good. And oh, my God, just a splitting migraine yeah. to imagine trying to sift through this as one person. But she did Bravo. it and she is wonderful. And yeah, we should definitely uh, link to that. And OK, so let's keep going. Let's get through these, right, these uh, right, committees. Right. <laughs> So we've got origins of the COVID pandemic. This is the one where I am I'm curious what they find. I'm, I'm I'm not holding out hope for the truth, but it is still kind of a lingering question. The intelligence agencies have looked at this and tried to figure out, okay, was this a lab leak and or, or was this from a market in Wuhan? And they are not at all saying this was this was engineered and and intentionally released. We're talking about a unintentional lab leak that may have occurred, and the U.S. intelligence just doesn't know. They've looked at it and no. cannot come to a firm conclusion. I think, unfortunately, Republicans being on the mission that they're on, I don't know that we're going to get any closer to the truth here. I think this is going to be about Democrats and Anthony Fauci funding something or other, and it's going to turn down the conspiracy path, and they're going to have these very dubious sources and claims and it's probably we're going to end up right right and that's a real shame because this is the one out of all the committees that i see listed that actually might have been able to accomplish something if you call you know potentially some of the right people you might be able to get some real answers about what happened but not with these guys in charge odds are yeah it's it, it would have been nice and i think a lot of people have come around on the idea that at least we don't know. Even even Anthony Fauci, who I think at first seemed pretty pretty convinced that it was from the market, but he has since come around and said that he has an open mind about whether mm-hmm. the outbreak originated in a lab. He still seems to believe the evidence to date indicates it was a natural occurrence, but he is... Look, if people who were once convinced have kept an open mind, and this, this I feel like this uh, debate has been... The well has been pretty thoroughly poisoned, so the, I think a lot of people on the left are afraid to even touch it. But it, it, it's an open question, and I think, I think for you and me, the concern here is this pandemic was, I, I think, absolutely unintentional, not planned, but it happened, and we don't want it to happen again. So if we don't want it to happen again, shouldn't we know as much as possible about what caused it? We absolutely should. And those are answers that 
like you said, hopefully we manage to get, but I really just have my doubts with this bunch in charge of a hearing that it's going to turn into anything but the beat up Anthony Fauci show. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much where we're going on this. And I don't think that, I don't think that's helpful at this point. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, next we have China competitiveness, which is apparently it is looking at the strategic competition between the United States and the Chinese government. Apparently, uh, the committee has received bipartisan support and is unlikely to become as this is according to New York Times again, is unlikely to become as politically charged as other Republican-led investigations. Well, that'd be nice. Still, some Democrats are worried that an intense focus on China could lead to xenophobic rhetoric intensifying anti-Asian sentiment in the United States, which could happen, could be a thing, and and certainly not something that we we want to dismiss. We also... Don't think it nope. should prevent us from having this conversation. It is when these things start to go off the rails and the the conspiracies and the, the hive mind of 4chan fever dreams take over that it becomes a problem and becomes a, a, a real issue for regular American citizens, just like you and me, who may happen to be mm-hmm. Asian, of Asian descent, which we uh, we wish we didn't have to have these fights. We wish people knew better, but we don't often deal in logic. We just deal in realities, I suppose. But there there are other ways the well could get poison here, talking about Trump's quote-unquote trade war, which wasn't really a trade war. And if we want to look at things like uh, intellectual property theft, if we want to look at well, there was a recent report in the New York Times about these police stations that, that China is putting oh, in yeah. countries all over, in, in the Western world where they're claiming they're not – now they're claiming they're not police stations, but they're essentially unofficial enforcement agencies in foreign countries that are undeclared by the Chinese government. Like, let's let's look into why China is doing this and – like who are they? Who are they going after? Who are they harming? What What is that about? I I'd love to know. Um, uh-huh. I'd love to know as much as possible. And that if you look at the description here, they're talking about economic dependence of the United States on Chinese supply chains, the nation's security assistance to Taiwan, and lobbying efforts by the Chinese government to influence local and state government as well as academic institutions, which they do, which is a problem. Uh-huh. What effect are these? undeclared police stations having on all of that are they targeting american citizens of chinese descent are they are they targeting students who are here of their own volition and trying to get an education are they strong arming them into uh, some sort of theft or espionage or something i i don't know but hey based on past history the answer to all of those questions is probably yes yeah so let's look into that i hope that they accomplish something there we'll see and after that, it really just goes downhill, doesn't it? These these committees, mm-hmm. I don't even this know. This is just getting silly at this point. We're going to have a committee on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which it didn't go well. But you know what also didn't look great was uh, Mike Pompeo in Qatar mm-hmm. having the meeting with the Taliban. Uh, that that didn't look great either. I think we've, we've talked about this, not here so much, but just privately and the the images of our withdrawal from Afghanistan were were bad. It could have been handled better. It should have been handled better. There is misery and misfortune and all of that followed in the in the wake of leaving Afghanistan, which is exactly why Trump wouldn't do it. Mhm. It's like you said, we play the board as it sits and the board when Biden came into office when it comes to Afghanistan was not great. There no. was a lot of unfinished business out there that one can definitely make an argument that Trump should have wrapped up if this was how it was going to go. There was no other real possibility, I don't think, other than staying in Afghanistan, which was getting increasingly less tenable. And it could have gone better, but absolutely, it, it could have been handled better and it should have been, but... If you're going to pull out, there was going to be hurt and harm and and deaths and all of that is bad. But were we going to stay there forever? Look, Trump promised he would do this for five years before he was president. While he was president, he kept saying it was going to happen and he kept pushing back the date because he didn't want these images on his watch. And he knew he knew they all knew mm-hmm. it's a sad situation. But it if we were going to leave, it was this is how it was going to look. I, mm hmm. 
I hate it. Yeah. I mean, considering where we were, considering the history, considering all the water that had gone into the bridge, then, you know, you would have to basically almost go back to 2001 and 2002 to find a way this could have gone better. And, you know, that's a conversation I'm perfectly willing to have at some point. Yes, we should have handled this whole thing differently from the jump, but we didn't. Here we are. And and we had eight years of Obama. At, they would they would try a new strategy and that wouldn't work and they'd replace the general and mm-hmm. bring somebody else in and try that for a year or two and then they'd go out and then they'd try something else. We were either going to stay there forever or we were going to leave and we left. So this is a hurt Biden panel. That's all they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And And then the rest, we've got border enforcement, which is going to continue to complain about not sending back all the immigrants that, as we've talked about, they they have nowhere to send all these. Why aren't you sending all the Venezuelans back to Mexico? Yeah. Uh, well, Mexico, Mexico won't take them. Well, why don't you send them back to Venezuela? Well, we don't have diplomatic relations with Venezuela. Well, um, why are they still in the United States? I don't know. Do you want to be the one to send them out on a raft? Is yeah, that, is... I think in a lot of cases that would be fine. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, they would be they would be happy with that. Yeah. Where do you think they're going to go? That's the question. Yeah. It's a it's a very straightforward question. Like, okay, you want to have this big committee. Okay, we'll answer that question. And they won't do it. Cuz they don't have any answers for that. And the last one is pure window dressing. The last one is just pure we are doing this to provide fan service to our constituents that voted for us, our political prisoners. Political prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> In the gulag, Joe Biden's gulag. They mean the January 6th defendants, the people who have been arrested, charged, convicted for January 6th for their role in the insurrection. And in a lot of these cases, these people are, as Frost said the other day when he was on our podcast, you know, reaping the find out from their fuck around. They did it. They did things that they were not supposed to do. And in some cases, you know, you look at like a Ray Epps, he absolutely regrets it because wow, did it ever ruin his life? But here we are. They have to pay the penalty for what they're doing. And it's nice to see them embracing the cause of prison reform because, you know, American jails sometimes can be really terrible (laughs) and we should really treat convicted (laughs) criminals. We should really treat people in prison a whole lot better than we actually do. But something tells me that's not really where they're going with this. No. Well, you've got some quotes and details here from MTG. So she's she's promised that this investigation will lead to Nancy Pelosi. And I once you go there, I we can talk about cat turd and the and the Paul Pelosi memes and it, it's gonna get stupid and ugly and none of that's gonna be real. This is the least real mm-hmm. thing that they they've got here. And it is it is a way to apologize for their behavior and they'll i'm sure they'll bring up the idea that it was agent provocateurs and antifa and ray apps and they'll probably let darren Beatty come on and blame the cia or some other thing he'll he'll connect some dots on the board it's fan fiction it's it's maybe it's not queuing on but it's queuing on light it is right on the cusp of uh, just the worst that the information terrorists have right and it's just this is the one that's just going to be a waste of time and we'll see it all over tucker we'll see it all over newsmax we'll see it all over oan they're going to love this it's going to be just the these people are mistreating our political prisoner show and i think this is one that they they're uh, the well that they can keep going back to like if they don't have a big hunter biden's dick pic bombshell to throw on us they're gonna pull out this january 6th defendant who his life was mildly disrupted by his probation and how could joe biden do this to this poor innocent man who stormed (laughs) the capitol how dare he it's like that it's never ending it's well we we relied on content tonight well let's go let's go find a sob story and i think that's the frame that you kind of want to look at a lot of this stuff in because most of these committees aren't going to accomplish a whole lot but make a bunch of noise they still don't have a majority in the senate so all of these bills that they pass are probably going almost nowhere they have one real power, one real thing that they can actually do to get attention, and that's investigate things. So they're going all in on investigations. They're going all in on let's 
get some cameras out and let's put our political enemies on trial for the next two years as much as we possibly can. And rather than looking at it in the sense of they're trying to get to the truth or of anything, I think you have to look at it in the sense of this is just a content generator for the next two years. Yeah. Uh huh. Control the narrative. That's that's what they're going for. And they think that hopefully they can turn it into election wins. And it hasn't worked yet. They are indeed going to keep trying. They're going to keep trying. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza BJJ, G-R-Z-A, BJJ, as well as DNW Pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.